Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Thursday morning, everyone. Doug Farrar, editor for uh, Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group Network, along with our five-tool guy, Mark Schofield. Mark, we're in, baby. We're in. It's season. It's, it's it, yes. The, we, we are in the thick of it now. I mean, I was telling you, I, 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 I've been shaved in four days. I, I cut my hair over the sink. I'm eating Chinese leftovers for the last two days, and God bless it. I love it. So I feel like every week I don't emerge until like Wednesday afternoon. Yep. Like I'm down here from Sat Sunday night at like, you know, 7 p.m. to Wednesday at like three to check the mail. That's my first little bit of sunlight each week. It's awesome. Yep. Yes, indeed. And we have very understanding wives. We do. We Man. absolutely do. We are very uh, lucky. <laughs> Laura, yeah. Laura and Rochelle are the real MVPs. Exactly. Um, I want to start this week before we get into the games. Your piece on we were discussing just too high in general yesterday and, and how quarterbacks are affected by it. Hello, Aaron Rodgers. Ouch. And our discussion got into you doing a piece on how offenses are looking to challenge too high coverages. And I, I love the piece and we'll link it on the, the rundown on touchdown wire when the pod goes up, what were your conclusions? What, what have you discovered about, and this was Russell Wilson. It was Justin Herbert. It was like five different guys about how teams are challenging too high because you know, this is the new normal for quarterbacks. You have to, and it's not just too high. It's spinning you too high. We're going to talk about that a lot more today. Um, what, what did you discern from what quarterbacks are doing to beat that and how, and, and their coaches setting them up to beat it? Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, it's not like cover two is new. Like I pulled a lot from attacking uh, coverages in the passing game from Steve Axman, which is a which book that was written in 2007. Should, yeah. It's, broken. I mean, you know, it, it's not exactly new, but, one of the concepts we see, and it's something that sort of put the whole variations of too high, like trap, like cougar and all that stuff in motion was just go flat, right? Because you think about cover two, two deep safeties, what's one of the soft spots? It's the whole shot along the sideline behind, you know, the back of the corner away from the safety who's trying to rotate over. That's the soft spot. So go flat is a way to attack that with that outside go route. But then Torners cornerbacks were originally sort of taught to like sink under that and constrict that window, which opens up, you know, the flat route. And so what defenses started doing was, okay, we're going to be creative. We're going to trap that. So, you know, that corner on the outside will backpedal, he'll zone turn, whatever, but he's reading what they say two to one, right? If he sees that flat receiver, that inside receiver go to the flat, he'll peel off the vertical and trap that flat. And you can see examples, you know, pro college, whatever of corners sort of baiting quarterbacks into pick sixes because quarterback sees him drop it. They all throw the flat boom. You trap it pick six. Then there's the really nasty one. And, you know, again, with so many of these things, watch high school, watch college, listen to defensive coordinators, coach Vassett, all those people. Five Cougar, which is a Saban call where that outside corner actually does a man coverage turn. So he turns his back to everything. And if you're a quarterback seeing that, you're thinking, oh, man, he's running with that. I've got the flat row. 
but that corner is peeking inside over his shoulder to read two to one. And so he's running away with his back to it from the cornerback, from the QB's perspective. But if he sees that guy go to the flat, he's going to peel off and, tra- and trap it again. So that's sort of the go flat family. And so this past week, that was what I haven't watched so many quarterbacks from week one. Kyler Murray was running go flat, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. They're all running go flat to attack too high. Now you saw Murray sort of flash ball to get the corner to commit. Corner comes down. He resets, throws the whole shot. Mac Jones flashes ball. Corner commits, resets, hits Aguilar on the whole shot. Justin Herbert, though, opposite opposite sideline, left hash to right sideline. No hesitation. Against Washington. Yeah, he sees in a split second that corner squats flat footed on the uh, in the flat, just throws an absolute rope. Like Herbert is an absolute alien. So that's go flat again. That's sort of a, a standard, basic day one Wesleyan University 1997 install. Like th- this is generic stuff. The the nastier stuff was the full field things, like Lockett's second touchdown mm-hmm. that came against cover six quarter quarter half. Russell Wilson Tyler Lockett just to be more yeah. Yeah, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, their second play. You've got quarter, quarter, half. So you've got the quarter safeties to one side. You've got a half field safety to the other. You've got DK Metcalf with a vertical release, comes inside first. It's now corner and safety to the quarter side. They have to both sort of pay attention to that because it's a vertical release from DK Metcalf. That's a red flag, red siren, like danger warning. And so the the safety has to sort of look at that and pay attention to it. And he can't read Russell Wilson's eyes and peel off and help because you've got Tyler Lockett releasing vertically at a half field safety, eventually runs a nice post route. What makes it worse is even if that safety wanted to peel off and thought, man, that they're, they're baiting us with something. Wilson actually sets his feet, steps towards DK Metcalf and then resets. So it's like, even if that safety is thinking they're setting us up for something, Russell Wilson is stepping towards DK Metcalf on a vertical route. Like that, that's not a, I'm going to, I'm going to, poach this thing kind of moment it was the same thing matthew stafford did something very similar on the yeah and that's that's the where he he flipped his hips and you know eddie jackson went oh crap i gotta get over here yeah and Derek carr and we're going to talk about all of these throws um on the he he dumped it off to alec ingle but he went left and he had henry ruggs wide ass open because the safety went "Uh oh i gotta go left and it's, you know, I wrote an article about the quarter. The, there are some quarterbacks make it, some don't. But anyway. Yeah, and, and the Stafford play was even nastier for McVay. Let's not forget, the genesis of all of this was 2018 when Fangio and Patricia, when all these defensive coaches, head coaches, defensive-minded head coaches, saw quarters and cover two sort of slow down Sean McVay's offense, right? And so what did Sean McVay do? He, well, I can't hire Vic Fangio. I'll do the next best thing to hire Brandon Staley to teach me how to beat this stuff. And then so on Sunday night against Vic Fangio, you've got Van Jefferson to the quarter side because it's again, quarter, quarter, half. He runs this deep curl route. Corner and safety have to sort of buy into that. And then on the other side, what's the real nasty part of this was you've got a half field safety. He's, you know, Cup is running the post route at him. You've got Robert Woods on a deep curl. And so the safety has to worry about both of those. The Bears thought they might be able to match that with the nickel defensive back and trail technique. But the problem is, even though you're kind of in good position, you're still playing trail technique underneath that post route on cup. Well, so he, wasn't playing, he wasn't playing trail because he was looking for he, help. Yeah, he was expecting help. But you've got 
you know, the safety has to buy that. And Stafford sort of looks at it, which is why in the moment Orlovsky was like, man, Stafford manipulated that open. It was just a, a perfect storm that the Bears couldn't cover up. And it's, as, you as, mentioned you mentioned 2018. Uh, what coverage has increased uh, in frequency 300 percent since 2018? Too high. Quad quarters. Quad yeah. I mean, the te- teams are running, and again, it goes back. It's genesis. It is, is at the high school level. I am imploring people. Huddle's 21 Blitz Clinic last February. Coach Vass sat down with. Kyle Kogan with Cody Alexander, all these high school defensive coordinators. Cody's, I mean, Kogan's now at the college level this year. And they all said, we're showing too high and we're daring these high school quarterbacks to hand the ball off because we don't want kids throwing the football because it's more efficient and it's more explosive. Uh, Again, we say this week in and week out, watch Friday night games, watch Saturday afternoon games. Then you'll know what's coming. And Vass actually went on a tangent yesterday on Twitter Wednesday saying all this stuff that's, that's given NFL coaches fits. We've been doing it for years at the high school level. We're just laughing. We're just And my response to that. My response to his rant was, yeah, Cody Alexander, when I did that article on the the three-part series on match coverage, uh, Cody told me that three years ago. It's like, yeah, when he was an assistant at Baylor, uh, he went to a Broncos install and he was aghast. And how yeah. uh, John Fox and Jack DeRio were talking about covering Robert Griffin the third. Like this is day one install at high school. What the hell? Yeah, I mean it's it's just, and I guess you could theorize it like you know when you've got high school coaches have to do different things offensively, you know, and somebody in response to Vass's discussion was saying like, yeah, high school defense coordinators, you might play be facing flex bone. You might be facing veer. You might be facing spread. You might be facing like I-21 personnel, offset I stuff, like week in and week out. Like you've got to have a lot in your toolkit. It's different NFL level. You can just, you've got athletes. Sometimes you might be able to just say, all right, we're going to line up and play man free cover one because we got the athletes to do it. You know, so, but at the high school level, you've got to install a lot more stuff. You've got to teach a lot more stuff. You've got to do a lot more stuff. And this stuff all filters out because as we all know, the high school defensive coordinators of today are the NFL defensive coordinators of tomorrow. And so all this stuff is going to come up eventually. Yep. Let's get to the games, my man. Giants at Washington tonight. I'm going to do something. All right, let's move on. I'm going to do something really weird. I'm going to give Jason Garrett a little bit of credit. You're like the one that's going to do that. Then I'm 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 going to uh, fall down on this hill against the Broncos. Daniel Jones had some kind of pre-snap motion on 17 dropbacks. I think that's like they had 17. All they were the the least motioning team last year, and, and Garrett has been ridiculous about that. But 17 dropbacks with motion, completed eight of 12 passes for 103 yards. Daniel Jones did a touchdown and a passer rating of 112. Pretty good for a coach who had no use for last season. And when you're facing a defense as good as Denver's, anything helps. Well, here's Washington, and they allowed nine completions on 13 attempts for 81 yards with motion against the Chargers. This helps Daniel Jones. To to me, I mean, I I thought he was a third-round guy when he came out of Duke. Gettleman saw saw him at the Senior Bowl, you know, did a Gettleman thing. Um, there was one play, I wrote a whole article about this because somebody put it up on Twitter, like, please tell me this is Photoshop. That's no, that's Nate oh, yeah, trying to turn the arc against Von Miller <laughs> and bumping into Saquon Barkley because Barkley was trying to uh get Alexander Johnson, Denver's very underrated linebacker, uh, who was doing an inside blitz, and you know, it was a third and four. 
And Von Miller saw Nate Solder, you know, bumping into his running back and going, oh, I'm going to go, you know, kill Daniel Jones. And that ended that drive. I mean, the Giants defense, the offense is still functionally broken um, against Washington's front. It does not look good. But I just I wanted to throw Jason a little you know, a couple sunflower seeds there. But, he did yeah. a couple of things in that game that I appreciated. Like they had the early fly sweep to Kadarius Tony. Later in the game, they had Tony in the backfield, went design sort of shield flat route to him. Like he's trying ways to be creative, but what stuck in my mind was, you know, late in the game, they have the like goal to go situation. They need a touchdown. I don't know if at this point in his career, why ISO with Kyle Rudolph is the like, shot call you want to make and then to make matters worse daniel jones doesn't even give him a chance throws it out of bounds like jones did some things in that game that i thought were good he read some rotations well made some timing and rhythm throws like the problem is when they needed him to be good he wasn't he had the fumble in a really bad situation and ball control has been an issue for him and then that fourth down situation, like the fourth down play with Galladay where it's just like slant and flat, you know, slant flat on the goal line, say what you want about it. But he's late with it. He's late with it. It doesn't even give Galladay a chance. And so, you know, as I get a lot of questions about Daniel Jones, like I think he, he did some things well in that game, but the mistakes at the end are going to overshadow that. They did overshadow that. And now you get a Washington team that that defensive front is going to be a problem tonight. And Taylor Heineke is going to make some plays. New York staring down the dreaded 0-2 start in the face. And Washington's playing more man, as you would expect, after signing William Jackson. Uh, They played like 23% man, a lot more. I don't know how the SIS numbers yet. I guess they're still working on that. But just the tape showed you uh, it was man match, you know, just – pony up on the receivers and yep. that worked well um yeah heineke that offense i don't know i mean fitzpatrick's out for a number of weeks <sighs> heineke six to eight patrick graham their the giants defensive coordinator he can dial up some evil stuff yeah he'll <laughs> dial up some stuff i mean what i i, I like some of what scott turner did the, you know the terry McLaurin catch oh god you know, everybody knows about that but he, what that i was, thought was that, he matrixed that one that was just yeah i mean if that's not catch of the year then we're in for some fun stuff coming our way but was but better they set that up with three by one you know sidecar to the single side with the running back but he goes fast motion to create the four by one and yeah. so chargers have to sort of respond to that that what do we say? Motion for impact, like Orlovsky talks about. But then Heineke liked the matchup backside. Great release, inside release, track the ball, beautiful play. They're going to make some plays on offense. Heineke's going to be aggressive. He's going to take some shots. He's going to move around. He's going to detri- distribute the football. I, I'll be stunned if the Giants win this game. I just wonder down, I mean, and, you know, Heineke played really well in that. Uh, playoff game against the Buccaneers and that's yeah. no mean feat um but if they're if they have a top three three defense and they're looking down the barrel of nine and eight <laughs> or four and five early in the season because they can't create explosive plays like at all you know I don't know we'll see yeah what, what I mean happens. you know it's I'll no, say it again, in a... my opinion right now the two most important abilities in the NFL are the abilities to create and prevent explosive plays Without both of those things to a greater or lesser degree, that's that's going to tell you kind of how your season goes. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, Chargers are a good defense. You know, Derman's back. Like he oh, looks boy, great. Is, um, I, you see that thing I posted this morning that cross. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah, I mean, we, we knock on wood for a healthy Derwin because yes. when healthy, he's so much fun. Yep. 
Uh, we're going to talk about their defense a lot because, uh, yeah, fun. Speaking of explosive plays, not Bengals at Bears. Um, uh, I don't even know what to say about Matt Nagy and, you know, Andy Dalton throwing a four yard out in fourth and 15. You are, there was a great book about this called The Big Scrum, where um, football in the early 20, like the early 1900s, was terribly violent, no padding, no helmets, and people were dying. And Teddy Roosevelt had to intervene from football being abolished entirely. I'm convinced that Matt Nagy in a past life was one of those people who wanted football abolished. That's the only way I can explain this. They're the only team in week one that didn't even attempt a pass of 15 or more yards downfield. And they had a fourth and 15, and that was a four yard out. And Nagy's, I think, I think Andy did well. I think Andy did what we wanted. If that's what you want your quarterback to do, yeah, I I don't even know what to say. I don't want to get into personal insults. That, that's just immature. But you really have to wonder what they're thinking. I'll put yeah, I don't I don't know at this because point. Fields and comes in for that one like nine yard pass, and he's got Aaron Donald right in his face, and he he makes that stick throw. So yeah. don't tell me that that Dalton is better under pressure with intermediate stuff with deep stuff. Don't tell me that Andy Dalton is better than Justin Fields at anything. I don't want to hear it because yeah, neither do I. It's, it, against the Rams, it didn't. You know, always he has to be better at reading defense because he's been in the NFL for eleven years. No, it's that Gladwell yeah. thing where if you do ten, one thing ten thousand times, you do it well. Well, if you do it wrong, it's just kind of stupid. So yeah. yeah, it's 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 Justin Fields' time. I I, I don't know past, what else to say. It's uh, past Justin Fields' time. Yeah, and this is where I extend my Mia Culpa to Jamar Chase. I was worried about the drops. Uh, I was kind of laughing at the whole thing where you said that you know the college ball is easier to catch because of stripes and that 50 yard touchdown right out of the 2019 Joe Brady LSU playbook. I think they're going to be okay. And Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, that was like, Oh boy, this, I forgot how much fun that offense, uh, how, how much fun that offense can be to watch and how amazing Burrow is and how he may have been in 2019, the best single season college quarterback ever. And how much of that transferred to the NFL, like really quickly um, even with, you know, three-step drop added infinitum because their offensive line was terrible. You know, Jonah Williams stayed healthy. I think they're better. And, you know, that's, that's going to be a problem for the bears who we talked about their communication issues. You know, we'll see how that goes. This this could be, um, you know, I think Matt Nagy wants a rock fight and I think the Bengals are coming in with an AK 47 and, you know, (laughs) there's your own two bears. And, Two moments from that game, I think, truly stand out about Burrow. And I talk a lot about how quarterback is a leadership position as well. One was the fourth down play in overtime where Zach Taylor is confident enough to give him the freedom to make that check at the line of scrimmage out of a run play into a pass in that situation. That's incredible. And it tells you what they think about Joe Brady, Joe Burrow. But after the game, when Jamar Chase was doing his post-game comments, post-game press conference, he gets up, Burrow sits down and says, I thought that guy was dropping everything unprompted, no mm-hmm. question, nothing. Yeah. And you can't tell me that Jamar Chase, the T Higgins, the Joe Mixon, the Jonah Williams, the rest of that offense, the rest of that entire locker room. The defense too. The re- they want their quarterback Did- to be a yeah. tough guy, a, a vocal yeah. representative leader. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't tell me that locker he's room. Done that. To- he's always, yeah. he's just not, he was that way at Ellis. He's not, he's not putting on a show. That's who. No, he is. no. And so, and so that moment, 
combined with that fourth down play, the Bengals got their guy. If there were any doubts, no, the Bengals got their guy. And and yes, does he have a does he have a cannon of an arm? No, I mean he, there are things that he could get better at, but I think he's going to get there. I'm I'm not worried about Burrow right now at all. Okay, I'm going to tell you the stats under pressure per fro, Pro Football Focus for one quarterback, and you tell me who it is. Uh, this quarterback faced pressure on 18 of his 37 dropbacks, 48.6%, which is top five in pressure rate. He completed nine of 16 passes for 182 yards, 11.4 yards per attempt and a touchdown. Who is the quarterback? Oh man. I want to say Kyler Murray, but I'm not positive on that. Nope. Tyrod Burrow. Oh, Tyrod. Tyrod, baby. I am so glad we get to talk about Tyrod yes. because A, he looked fantastic. He whooped like, some he looked, ass. And and the the Texans offense, they did some things that were really creative. You had, you know, he had the uh, just an RPO design, throw the band aid poster up, but you had split zone look, you had end around look as well. It was very much like eye candy, the stuff we like to see. The Yankee variation where he hit Cooks. It looks like Cooks is running the post, but he breaks to the out. That route you talked about Matt Rye with. Tyrod moves in the pocket and threw an absolute dime. Just an absolute dime. And so I didn't see Houston want to know at all. Um, it's fantastic to see. I've always had a soft spot for Tyrod. So, I mean, that was fun to watch. Well, you know, and he made secret superstars this week too, um, obviously. And he starts out, you know, with the Ravens back when Joe Flacco was Joe Flacco, he's not going to get that. He goes to the bills, makes it pro bowl his first year. There has, he went like 51 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. And then he goes to the chargers and he's back into Phillip rivers. And finally, 2020, this is a chance while we're ramping up Justin Herbert. And then a team doctor punctures his lung with a pain. Yeah. Shot. And you're just like, you know, some guys are cursed. So to see him do that with a team that nobody took, we all made jokes. It was like Johnny Carson, the 76 Buccaneers. We all made our little jokes and for good reason, but you know, the Texans might win three or four games. They're going to be a freaking. I mean, Vernon Hargraves was good. What the hell? They're going to be a tough out. Now they're not, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to go seven and 10. I don't think, and you know, that, Water finds its own level, and the lack of talent overall will will out. But I think they showed more than the Jaguars showed. I'll put it that way. And if I'm yeah. the Jaguars right now, and I've got my coach mumbling that he's not going to USC, and you know, bringing Nick Saban back to I, 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 I I'm not going to LSU. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jacksonville's so, a bad situation, but yeah, Houston they're going to be tougher than people thought. I mean, they still probably go four and thirteen or something like that. Um, but yeah. the, the 0 and 17, the one and 16, nope. I, I think we could step away from that a little bit and, you know, maybe they turn it around quicker than we thought. So that leads up to Texans at Browns and the Browns are very pissed off because they just yep. lost to the chiefs in agonizing fashion, which, you know, if you, it, that's your, your 10 or 14 up on Mahomes, you know, that the, the dam is still leaking. Yep. Um, Mine, the Chiefs, it, it's a game that the Browns win 98 of 100 against most teams, maybe five out of 10 against the Chiefs, because that's, you know, yeah. this wasn't an old school Browns collapse. I want to, it's not time to panic. They have the best oh, no, offensive no, no. line in football. I mean, that the yes. Nick Chubb touchdown where Wyatt Teller came from right guard to seal the edge on the left side. I mean, that was that was Moses. That was Ten Commandments stuff. Um, yeah, and you had Bettino, the guard, get up to, to the second level on yeah. that play too. Like that offensive line, and you might not have seen it yet. Brandon Thorne, Wyatt Teller at right guard. 
he gets Reed across from him who hits him with a spin move and beats him. Oh, I but did. Then yes. Teller had the mirror spin move to like spin back around and pick him up and prevent the sack. Like that's, that's incredible. That's, that's, like, that's, incredible. that's one of those moments where people that big should not move that fluidly, but they do. Well, I, I think, uh, I think uh, Ali Marpet had the widest splits in and out. I think uh, Teller was second, although Teller was yeah. out at the same time. Chubb was out. So, you know, Um. Now, my concern, going back to explosive plays, my one concern about the Browns, the third youngest team in the league, roster stacked, Andrew Berry, exec of the year, sure, I'm all, I'm all in. The ability to create explosive plays without scheme, when you just have an alpha out there kicking everyone's ass. Um, I, will, I, I, I watched that tape pretty intently from the Browns' offensive side of the field because I think, I mean, the Chiefs did some different things, but we kind of know what they are. Um, Mayfield had some nice, just my notes, skinned up deep shots, Anthony Schwartz on a throwback and an arc fade. Those were two David and Joku on an out and up. Um, he had the deep shot to Schwartz on their penultimate drive that Schwartz couldn't quite bring in. And it seemed at that point, like the Browns got reductive with their passing concepts. Then it was short, 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 and then things didn't work out and they kind of let it get away from him in that regard. And, you know, Stefanski is brilliant at scheming stuff up, but I, I walked out of the tape in that thinking, okay, that's about as well as you can scheme it up. And when, what did I say last week, if you're facing the chiefs or the bills, no, the bills, but if you're facing yeah. that level of offense in the AFC championship game, what's going to happen? You need three big plays. Well, we saw what happened. They weren't there. So yeah, I mean, and he, I see he, he barfed up that one that he really shouldn't have, and Mike Hughes intercepted it, and that was your ball game. Um, so I'm kind of where I was. I know Stefanski can scheme up, but there you just you need a, a dominant guy. Odell's out week two. Um, he's probably the closest thing they have to that. I don't know. I want to see what this offense looks like when Odell is back and when Schwartz has his sea legs. Because I think, oh, I think he, I think, I think Schwartz looked great. I think, he, yeah, and I, I, I think he ran every concept that Stefanski wanted him to really well. Yeah, so I, I think like three weeks from now, I want to then sort of like revisit Cleveland because I think eventually this team is going to be where they want to be. This team will have the ability to hit some explosive plays beyond scheme because I think when you have, it, it's similar to the the DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett second touchdown we talked about, right? When you've got Anthony Schwartz screaming at you on one side of the field on a vertical release and then a post route from Odell, you're going to put defensive backs, you're going to put those post safeties or two high safeties in a bind. Like I, I think the ability to create those explosive plays will be there, but you're absolutely right. Right now, it's a concern. I think they beat Houston, but I think Houston keeps it close. Yeah. Uh, speaking of secondaries, and, you know, John Johnson comes in and he played well. Uh, Troy Hill comes in. They got Greg Newsom starting, um, I think, opposite Denzel Ward. And you just you watch it and the Browns, you, you can't allow free releases to Tyree Kill. And they did it far. There, there were instances where like a linebacker was covering Tyree Kill and you can't do that. Um, Tyree Kill would run the, you know, the 15 yard speed curl. I, I, that's a route name I just invented because it's Tyree Kill and he you know, a speed curl. We'll go watch him run it. And it is a freaking speed curl. Five yards here, five yards everywhere. You, you can't do it. So I'm not. I'm not saying, again, not time to panic. Week one. The thing about secondaries, no matter how gifted they are, 
you have to learn to work together. You have to learn, yep. you know, different calls and different. Uh, okay. I was in New York. We spun it this way. I'm now in Dallas and we spin it this way, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you on both sides of the ball. I think the Browns will be uh, I, I'm you're a tick higher on them than I am. I, yeah. I think we both would not be surprised if they went to and won the Super Bowl. I mean, they're that good all over yeah. the place. Um, but again, what's the problem? You struggle to create explosive plays and you struggle to prevent them that they hung with the chiefs and had the lead against the chiefs speaks to their talent. The, the way the game ended kind of speaks to those concerns. I'll just say that. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really well put. Yeah. Uh, Rams at Colts. <laughs> this is from next gen stats. Matthew Stafford was effective passing on to no kidding. He was effective. Good God. Yeah. Effective passing on play actions in his play action in his Rams debut. He completed eight of eight passes for 155 yards and two touchdowns. Stafford is the first player with multiple touchdowns of 40 or plus air yards in a game since Kirk Cousins in week six, 2019. Go figure. Since 2017, the Rams have used play action at a rate of first, first, fourth, and third. Over the past two seasons, Stafford was fifth in yards per attempt, third in air yards per attempt, and third in success rate on play action passes. He's going to demolish the league this year. This is your MVP until someone else says otherwise. Because what, and Sean McVay said after the game, and he was almost jumping up and down going, there's nothing I can't call now. Yeah. And he's not uh, Jared Goff's out of his brain. He's not slamming Goff. It's like, oh my God, I finally have the guy. You know, it's like, um, I mean, I was listening to Orlovsky's podcast this morning, and of course, he was in Detroit, so he he knows Matthew Stafford very well. I, I think he was the one who said, <clears throat> in this kind of offense, going back to Mike Shanahan as opposed to Kyle. There hasn't been a quarterback this physically gifted running this kind of offense since John Elway. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, old I, statement, but what we saw, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think Aaron Rodgers might have something to say about that because he got oh, dropped true. into that LaFleur offense, and, you know, but I think that's it though. Right. Like we see this sort of offense outside zone, wide zone, boot action. Like we've seen it make, Average quarterbacks look good at times, like golf. Like, I don't want maybe Baker Mayfield. I don't know about that. Um, if you want to make that case, go for it. Uh, I, I would golf, say he's better than that. Uh, I would say, I mean, I would say so too. He's not top there, five, but he's a tear up from the golfs. There are Mayfield detractors that are just that are saying, you know, oh, it's just the offense, it's just the system. You know, we're going to see this sort of we, we might see it play out with you know Zach Wilson in New York. Where did he stop listening talent, to Colin Cowherd then? Yeah. But we saw it with Rodgers, right? You know, we saw what this yeah. offense could look like in the hands of a quarterback, you know, last year, MVP season. Now we're seeing what it looks like in the hands of a Matthew Stafford. And, you know, when they made the trade for Stafford, it was, look, he's got a guy that can be decisive, that will take advantage of the plays that are schemed up. That's not going to wait and hesitate and throw late and throw into problems, throw interceptions. Like, yeah, Stafford's still going to throw picks. But he's going to be decisive. He's going to make the decisions at 8 million miles an hour. He's not going to hesitate. You saw the two touchdowns early in, in, in that game where there's absolutely no hesitation. And also when you have the God-given ability to, like, roll left, flip your hips, throw 65 yards to the right side of the field. like That helps. Yeah, that helps. If you can pull it out of your quiver. That you, you probably yeah. yeah, it's a nice yeah. little club to have in the bag. I sense a little quarterback envy. 
I couldn't make that throw nine yards right now in the backyard, Doug. So, I mean, yeah. I could make that throw if you allowed me to throw it, pick it up, throw it, pick it up, and throw it a third time. Yeah. I, like I could that, get the ball 66 yards downfield or 69 yards or whatever it was. I could do it that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, like to use a golf analogy. Throws, I would nail it. To use a golf analogy, that throws a par five for me. It's it's yeah. not a it's not a mini golf, you know, putt putt play. Like yeah. it is for and he's he's banging the three wood four hundred yards and yeah, that, that's just him. Uh, Seahawks did a great job of using their passing concepts to beat Indy's two high and zero coverages. The the first lock at touchdown where Freddie Swain veered to his right and it it looked like two, but it was actually zero. I know you pointed this out. And Freddie Swain took the other safety up and out. And I'm watching the 22 yard pass to Will Disley where the eye candy pre-snap and post-snap. Okay, yeah, I saw you pointing that out. And I, I have people in my timeline arguing that the Waldron offense is no different than the Schottenheimer's offense. And I'm like, can I have a pound of whatever you're smoking? Cause no, yeah. no, um, there's a lot. Of, and, and the first touch on the lockout one, like that was a, and I know you had the Darius Leonard quoted there. That was a cover two beater, right? Because if they stayed in two, you've got the safety splitter. Then you've got that vertical re- release that's going to bend the safeties anyway. They just, they spot it to zero. And now you've got Lockett matched up against the safety using leverage to the inside. So Wilson sees it, throws it to the outside. I think my favorite part of that play, and I know Seahawks fans have been somewhat wondering about this. Wilson used his cadence. Yes. He gave a hard count linebacker slot defender show blitz so he knows look i got zero blitz i think he it knows was they don't was blitzing and then yeah the yeah it was lettered on the inside of the slot defender yep. um he, they did they showed it he got him to commit to it he knew what he had information is knowledge uh, uh, and it, an informed quarterback is a good one there you go so you know Darius Lern is already concerned about the, the two beaters and, you know, here comes this offense and it, it's going to be a nightmare for Matt Everplus. Although I'm wondering who this offense won't be a nightmare against. This is, yeah. this is scheme transcendent. I don't care what you throw at these guys. They're going to kick your ass. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> if you can match, I mean, they might be as explosive as the chiefs. They could be, they might they be, be that sort of thing where you really have to outscore us and good luck. Um, yeah. Flipping to the other side, I mean, I want to get your take on Wentz. These are my notes. He looked okay. The first touchdown is Zach Pascal scored two touchdowns. Good for him. Uh, first one was inside slot. Wentz was smart enough to know that when Jamal Adams <laughs> blitzes, the Seahawks don't replace him in coverage. And part of that's because Jamal's given the ability to freelance. They just give him, you know, when you go, go. When you feel it, do it. <laughs> well, there's no way if he's deciding at the snap to go that you can replace it. So that's a weakness in Seattle's defense, and it's why they were generally bad in coverage when Jamal blitzed and get home last year. <coughs> uh, second touchdown was a skinny post. Seahawks were blitzing to the backside. Trey Flowers lost Pascal in man coverage. So Wentz was smart enough to take what Seattle gave him when that happened, and he didn't make any catastrophic mistakes, but I saw a lot of elongated reads. I'm putting it kindly. Um, yeah. Too many scattershot throws. His mechanics are still horrid. And now he's got Raheem Morris's version of Brandon Staley's defense to deal with. And I'm going to say this. I saw slight improvements in Wentz over the disaster buckle that was last year in Philadelphia. I don't think you can take a guy who is that bad in one off season and make him what he was in say 2017 or 20. This isn't going to be a one week thing. It's going to take, no. a while. if it happens it, it, at all, it's going to take a while. 
Yeah, it's going to take a while if it happens. I mean, I I think you summed it up really well. He did some things well. He made some reads that were good. The mechanics are still bad. And, you know, it's one of those moments where the mechanics don't matter until they matter. And right now I think they kind of matter because it exacerbates the elongated reads. Like when you've got this sort of dip and loop and it's a little bit longer to get the ball out and you're reading things slow to begin with, that half a second in the NFL is an eternity. It's like, and if you're watching the video, you'll understand this better. It's like he splays his lower, like below the knees, he splays. The yeah. Out. Yeah. I mean, he, Where he's, he that he's kind of always had a wide base, but now it's like, and this could be a, a part of the injury recovery, you know, with the, the lower sure. body injuries with quarterbacks, like it's, it's a couple of years removed from it, but something's happening here. The, like, the mechanics just aren't like, he's never been a, teach tape hi high school kids oh, no. i'm gonna tell you how to throw a uh, how to throw a football as a quarterback watch no. carson once it's never been that but they've gotten worse uh so we'll see how that goes bills at dolphins this is interesting um against five or more pass rushes in 2020 josh allen completed 150 of 20, 226 passes for 1791 yards 884 air yards, 21 touchdowns, and two interceptions. He was the best quarterback <coughs> against the Blitz in the NFL in 2020 by a fairly crushing margin. I mean, his stats were like above Mahomes as he was second by like a lot, maybe 40% total. So the Steelers, who had the NFL's third highest blitz rate of 40.3% last year behind only the Ravens and Dolphins, what did they do? They blitzed Allen once, once. 1.8% of their defensive snaps. <clears throat> Last Sunday against the Patriots, Dolphins blitzed on 52.5% of their snaps behind only the Buccaneers. In week one against the Patriots, <clears throat> the Dolphins blitzed on 25%, 25 of their defensive plays at blitz rate of 52.5%. It's the second highest in the league behind Tampa's 53.2%. Now, so the Steelers showed you don't blitz Allen, you throw a bunch of different coverages at him. And we'll talk about that in the, in the Steelers preview. Week two last year, Miami blitzed Allen just 15 times, ranked eighth in positive play rate allowed when blitzing. They did really well. Week 17 against the Bills, they blitzed him 21 times, the most, the highest blitz rate in the league, and they ranked 29th in positive play rate allowed. Allen threw three touchdowns and 25 attempts, and things got so out of hand that it was Matt Barkley time. Yeah. So we talked last year and in the offseason about the sort of the triptych of Josh Allen's development, where it was, <coughs> excuse me for the coughing fit. I'm very sorry. Um, beating man coverage to death early on. Then that three game stretch where they started to throw different stuff at him and his head kind of exploded. Brian Dable saying, OK, we're going to go back to quick, quick, quick. And then he sort of figured it out. I don't think it was going back to quick, quick, quick. I think what happened to Josh Allen and Brian Dable is they expected the Steelers to blitz a crap ton. They didn't. And their whole game plan was around something they didn't see. And yeah. that happens in the league. And that's, I, I think that's where they were. I will be tremendously interested to see what Brian Flores does, because generally speaking, the Dolphins are a very blitz heavy defense, but not always against Josh Allen. So they know. Yeah. That. yeah. And I, I also think, look, they were still able to Pittsburgh was to get pressure with four. And, yeah. you know, it, it's because Cam Hayward took his Aaron Donald Bidens and 
it, it's the old mantra. They're like, yeah, you know, how do you beat a quarterback? You get pressure with four, you can drop seven into coverage. Well, not every team can do that. That's like having Matthew Stafford's arm. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, it. it's like, okay. Or I, I saw Trevor Sikaba today. Like every team should just go out and sign Tom Brady. That That's my idea. Like, sure. You know, yeah. sure. That'd be awesome. Um, I, I don't know if Brian Flores will go that route. I don't know if, and, and that team's built to play man coverage and get pressure. I yep. mean, so it would surprise me, but maybe Brian Flores will say, look, we're going to drop seven. We're going to rush four. We're going to see if we can replicate. We know this is a copycat league, but I think it's in his DNA to try to want to bring pressure. Well, we'll get into it more when we talk about Steelers, but what they did and some of the pressures were three man and they would take yeah. PJ Watt and put him off ball. And yeah. they had Minka as the lookout defender, uh, which the kind of the cam chancellor in Super Bowl 48. If you run a crosser, don't. Yeah. And they played Minka all over the place. He was 80 per, more than 80% free his first two years in Pittsburgh in this game for this. And, and Mike Tomlin said, don't expect any of this next week. We're not going to, you know, this is not the way we're going to play all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was so much that Josh Allen hasn't seen. And I don't think Brian Dable expected. So Flores is looking at that tape and he's going, okay, how can we fool him? And they have the personnel to, to throw some diabolical stuff at him. So we'll see. Um, Miami's offense. I thought two looked more in rhythm. Um, George Godsey and Eric Studeville did a nice job regarding his point guard tendencies into the offense. And Jalen Waddell is going to be, uh, it's, you know, with New England, you can always tell who they fear because it's kind of like yeah. the eyes of New England are on you. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Parker is a really good receiver. New England was scared. I don't want to say scared bleepless, but they were very aware of what Jalen Waddell could do. And I would imagine that the relationship between Mr. Belichick and Mr. Saban might have had a little bit to do with that. Yeah, yeah. Water was going to be a problem. Um, I thought Tua looked pretty good. Um, he had the bonehead play near the end that almost gave New England that game, and that's the kind of stuff that young quarterbacks got to avoid, right? I know he was trying to throw the ball away, but you got to get it out. Like, you got to get out of bounds. Like, um, Water was going to be a problem. I, I think Miami's offensive line is still a bit shaky. Like, it, it's got some issues, although Eichenberg was better at the left tackle spot than I expected. I, I thought he handled himself well. He got flagged for a bad holding call yeah. where I thought he snatched a guy's soul. Um, but New England, you know, they did some stuff where they did some overload looks and they were able to get some pressure. You know, that's going to be a potential problem this week because it wouldn't surprise me if we see similar stuff against them this week. Some overload was it looks. Uchi and Van Noy had sacks. They didn't have like yeah. pressures. Yeah. They didn't have a ton of pressures, but like there was one overload look where they had three guys to the right and you had Uche on the other side who you have to worry about. They slide the protection. They were still able to get pressure with the three man side. Um, Matthew Judon didn't get credit for sacks, but he got a lot of um, I was initial just pressure. Say, yeah. I was just going to say, break point, down, not, so, yeah. I was just so. going to say at some point, um, Judon's going to go off and it might be this week. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I think two of those good, but you know, Miami, they, they might have their hands full this weekend. Yep. Uh, Patriots jets. Um, I'm going to defer to you on Mac Jones in a minute, but we talked during draft analyst season about how Zach Wilson was protected at BYU. I think it was one of your concerns about him. Like how will this transfer to the NFL? Um, big part of his ability to drive the ball down the field dynamically and accurately. And against the Panthers defense, he was the third highest pressure quarterback in week one behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. And unfortunately we saw how that worked out. And Teddy Bridgewater, <coughs> you know, Hey Teddy. Yeah. 
Under pressure, Wilson delivered with big plays, if inconsistent overall efficiency. Five of 16 completions under pressure for 109 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was a play. I mean, everything just collapsed. Wilson rolls to his right out of pressure, and Corey Davis did an amazing job of adjusting to that. It's like yeah. those two guys already have their scramble rules together, which is fun. And Wilson's throw is a bit errant, but, you know, it happened. Now, the disconcerting thing is that was also the play in which uh, Makai Beckton was injured, and now he's out four to six weeks with a knee injury. So I don't know if they're going to move, you know, Vera Tucker. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, so I would expect, you know, we're talking about more pressure than. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Wilson did some nice things, but there are concerns, not with him specifically and things like he did or did not do. Just I'm very worried that this is Joe Burrow 2.0 from last year where they're just going to struggle year on to protect him. You know, they're, they're going to struggle. He's going to get hit. He's going to get pressured. Like now with Becton going down, like you might have to start moving people around. In comes in Bill Belichick, who's going to do some things up front to try to get pressure, game some pressure up. Like Wilson impressed me at times, but I'm, I'm a little worried about their ability or inability to protect them. And, you know, it's not going to get easier this week. Yeah. Um, to correct myself, I was still in Patriots Dolphins land. So I'm not seeing Matthew Judon will go off against the Dolphins offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah. But the Bills can scheme up some pass rush. Uh, <clears throat> Gosh, I'm so sorry. Per PFF, the Patriots ran more plays with two tight ends in week one, 35, than all of 2020-31. Not yep. a big surprise there. 2020 was not what Bill Belichick wanted from that perspective. So, um, didn't have time to walk, watch Mac Jones for the pod because I knew you would. Um, so, tell me what you saw. I thought he did some things well. I thought he showed the ability of a more veteran quarterback to manipulate defenders out of position to, like, he had a Seam splitter, safety splitter to Nelson Aguilar from the left side against the Tampa two look. Aguilar was the inside receiver to the to the slot side, two receiver side. You you expect that Tampa linebacker to be worried about the three receiver side, um, and he just sort of, actually it's three and two. So he gets him, he gets that linebacker to square his hips to the two receiver side, um, which was a really good job by flashing ball. Um, had a go flat, kind of mentioned earlier where he flash ball corner jumps on the flat, so he throws the the go route on the outside to hit the whole shot to Aguilar. He's going to have to learn some things. He had a, basically looked like a single high coverage. Jacoby Myers on the right slot running across a route against Jason McCourty, and he puts air under it, and he's going to have to learn that he's not throwing to Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, John Michi, like the guys against, you know, Missouri on an SEC Saturday. Like the guys in the NFL will close – windows quickly so he puts air under it could have been a big play he's going to have to learn to sometimes he's going to have to dial up velocity but show really good command of the offense like i think new england will be even though they lost i think they're pretty happy with what they're getting from the quarterback position right now if you have told most patriots fans that look week one you're going to have the football at the plus 11 yard line with three minutes to go down one you'd be pretty happy with what you would have been expected to have gotten from Mac Jones. And so I think this team's going to be okay. Like, do I think it wins the AFC East? No, I'm not there yet. Do I think they contend for a playoff spot? Yeah, I think they do. Um, and I, I think their defense is going to get better as the year goes along. I think their offense will get better as the year goes along. So I, I think in all, I was impressed with what we saw from Mac. 
49ers and Eagles, four different quarterbacks through two touchdowns under pressure in week one per PFF. Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Jalen Hurts. We expect this from Stafford and Wilson. Jameis is up and down throughout his career. Uh, looked great on Sunday. Um, but Hurts' ability to throw, to deliver under pressure was encouraging. I would like to see him step up in the pocket sometimes. I think his default is if I'm pressured after I drop back, I just run right. Yeah. And he may be missing stuff over the middle. I think he is missing stuff over the middle that way, but that's, you know, it's, it's the fifth start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought Nick Sirianni did a wonderful job of marrying Hertz and Devonte Smith together with concepts, familiar concepts, get him comfortable yeah. with bubble screens and RPOs, set him up for the deep <laughs> shots. Late in the first half, Hertz had a touchdown to Kenneth Gainwell on a quick cross. It was nullified. Came right back in the next play and hit Goddard for that touchdown. It was a great stick throw. And the touchdown to Devontae Smith is right out of the Alabama playbook. Motion to a tight split, Smith in the left slot, run the legal pick, and that's your ball game. So, yep. um, and Sirianni said after the game, or either after the game or the next day, you know, my my job is to give these guys concepts they're comfortable with from college and marry it to <laughs> like what kind of socialism is this? Goodness gracious, Doug! It's the stuff we've been screaming for years, right? All right, crazy. Um, I mean, I I think. Um, Devonta and Hertz are obviously on the same page. Um, I think the point about Hertz bailing the pocket is there. Like he had a completion to Devonta in sort of a scramble drill situation that didn't need to be a scramble drill situation. Like he had the curl route in the initial window, the pocket was clean, but he sort of floated outside and then hit Smith. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Stick in the pocket, climb the pocket, click and climb and make the throw. I thought the touchdown to Goddard was incredible. And and what I loved about and the that, adjustment like, Goddard made, by the way, was also incredible. That wasn't just because a, oh, that was Hertz is rolling to his right. Goddard starts f- sort of slink, slinking back to the middle of the field, yeah. and he's got a linebacker in front of him. And Hertz throws it to the outside because he's like because Hertz sees, and it's incredible from Hertz because he sees that underneath hole defender in that man coverage situation who's got no responsibility but to read his eyes lurking in the middle of the field. And Hertz knows if I throw this to where Goddard's going, it's getting picked. So I'm going to put this to the outside and trust my guy to read it. And Goddard gets behind, makes the adjustment. It's it's a great play, particularly to watch from the end zone angle. But I thought what was more impressive two plays before that where he hit Goddard on an out route. You see the eyes, the mind, the feet, because he's got the drop. He sees that he's got the look he wants to throw the out. You see him start to set the hallway to flip his hips, to throw that on time in rhythm with anticipation. You know, we always say we want to see for a young quarterback, the game slow down for him. This was that kind of moment. And, and this is a year- big concern. I know we discussed it, and I know you did yeah. the QB factory reboot. This was a big concern for you about Hurts in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, th- this was like the main concern. It's like, we know the athleticism is there. Like we know the things that he can do. And he can drive I want to see. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried about it from an arm or an athletic standpoint. It's the mind. You, you want to see the game slow down for him. It started. Now there are concerns. Look, average depth of target was like 3.8. Like they didn't ask him to do a ton. So I want to see like, was this a game specific thing, a week one thing, or is this what the offense is going to look like? Then we can s- sort of evaluate it going forward. But for week one, fifth start on the road, like I think Eagles fans should be really happy with what they saw. And Devonta Smith is going to be a problem. Nate Tice at his, at his sub stack did a breakdown of, you know, hello, Mr. Smith with a whole matrix theme to it. It was fantastic. He highlighted, you know, as much as we gripe about all 22, there are things you could pick up on the broadcast copy. And there's a moment where Smith is calling out a slot blitz, cat, 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 which is the warning 
you know, as a receiver to call that out rookie making his first start in the NFL calling stuff like that, like, like Nate Tice highlighted that's high level stuff. And so this team might be better than we thought. It also might be a referendum that the Atlanta Falcons are worse than we thought. We'll get to that. Um, here's yeah. one thing. It's not a week one thing for Jalen hurts. He's going to have to operate under pressure because um, Arik Armstead had nine pressures in week one. Only yeah. Max Crosby had more. And Mr. Villanueva, you got a problem. Um, you got Nick Bosa on the other side. And, and Armstead and Bosa can create well together off the edge. And then Kentavious Street, secret superstar week one, um, got his first sack of his NFL career. He's been around since 2018, kept getting hurt and, you know, with, uh, you know, they got some IDL injuries to deal with. So uh, Javon Kinlaw, who could be a monster, has been hurt. And and then it was the, the Lions had that furious comeback, and it was the fourth down play that ended the game, and Street was the one who got the hurry on Goff, forced him to throw it away. So, yep. um, you know, it's kind of back in the uh, – back in the uh, back in the box for Hertz. He's, he's going to face yep. a lot of pressure in this game too. Yeah. Raiders at Steelers. So regarding the Steelers blitz numbers from earlier, even when eliminating extra pass rushers, Pittsburgh led the league in week one with 11 hurries. They ranked third behind the Jaguars and Eagles with a 32.7% pressure rate. That's how dominant their front was. Cameron Hayward had the game of his life. Um, and that's saying a lot because <laughs> he's him. Um, these are my notes on coverage because coverage is really where Keith Butler and I'm, I'm assuming Mike Tomlin, boy, they, they earned it this week. This, that was, I, there was the Todd Bowles game plan in the Super Bowl where they had played the chiefs earlier that year. And, and Bowles ran a lot of blitzes against Mahomes and they came into the Super Bowl. And I think it was the same thing where Mahomes was the chiefs were game planning for something that they never saw because Bulls blitzed like three times the whole game. This is very much like that. So we know it's on the coverage, you know, the front looks of Watt playing off ball, brilliant with their drops, lineman and man in his own drops from the linebackers and mug looks, two guys up front, bang, they go out. Uh, the Bills played a ton of both empty and spread formations with a single back, which is what they do, par for the course. Only the Cardinals had more snaps out of empty last year. Steelers were able to shut them down. Uh, week four last season, the yeah, they blitzed Allen 25 times. Um, most in the NFL that week, they ranked seventh in positive play rate allowed, and they did so. Brilliant game plan from Keith Butler and his staff. And as much as we love yeah. Brian Dable, I'm kind of surprised. Dable, there was a point in the third quarter I'm, I'm watching somehow from some country, uh, had the itemized all 22 where you can go back and, you know, this play and that play. And there were two, two times watching the Bills offense in the third quarter where I thought I had accidentally took the same play over. And then, oh, this time Emmanuel Sanders ran a five-yard slant instead of a four-yard out. Okay. Yeah. He didn't really switch it up. Um, so I think that's that's the degree to which the Steelers gave Josh Allen stuff he didn't expect. Now, yep. you know, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, you know, <coughs> Derek Carr – He's a cautious quarterback. We, you know, we've discussed this. Yep. Gruden has some interesting man beaters and the Steelers run, man, they played a lot of match. You know, it's, he loves to run bunch. Um, he'll use a lot of motion. So th this is a fascinating matchup from that perspective. 
And the Steelers' offense, I mean, Najee Harris had 45 yards on 20 carries, and 35 of those yards came after first contact. It, 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 we had the whole thing every week last year. Should we worry about Ben? Can we start the clock now? Because let's start the clock. Yeah, now. not we, our we should start the clock and now. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be you know, and and uh, I, I mean, I remember B this is, option B is Dwayne Haskins, who had the fewest air yards per attempt of any quarterback in the NFL last year, and option C is Mason Rudolph. I mean, you're kind yeah. of stuck. Yeah, this is what their offense is. Matt Canada can put as much lipstick on it as he wants. The Steelers' success will be what it was last year. Um, yep. it, we will go exactly as far as our defense takes us. And, you know. I don't know if that's a wooden recipe in today's NFL. Well, it is. I mean, the last team to do that was the 2015 Broncos with Zombie Payton. And they had a historically great – you have to have a historically great defense to do that. And, hey, maybe the Steelers do uh after losing two of their best cornerbacks and, and bud dupree maybe they still do and maybe tom and wins coach of the year because in that case he should but you're it's a big ask by the way doug uh as the kids say new 49ers dropped because we got some ravens news oh. in the past few minutes from jason lock and fora oh the the ravens are preparing to be without all pro left tackle ronnie staley this week meeting andre uh, Hondro Villanueva slides to left tackle. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. New Ravens dropped. I mean, new 49ers dropped. And it's the Baltimore Ravens because they are just. Lamar was about to set the record for boot right in a single game. Yeah. Because he had no boot right against the Raiders because Mac Ro- Crosby, Crosby went. Vill- he was kicking Villanueva's ass. Oh, my God. That's awful. God, if Stanley, because he missed what? He played like six games last year before. Yeah, he's out a lot, and that Baltimore defense. And we'll get into that. That down their top two corners, and they're still playing zero blitz. Didn't work well for them once Carr settled down. Yeah. Ooh, ouch. Um, ouchie, ouchie. Saints, Saints at Panthers. We're going to talk about the Saints, but I want to tell you about Phil Snow's defense, and and this is okay. Going back, going back to our. Coach Vass. And the thing about Coach Vass is he was saying, you know, I can't believe the crap they run in the NFL in high school is so much more advanced. And I said, well, Cody, Cody told me that three years ago. Well, Phil Snow comes up and they're running all this crazy stuff because he, he's been a college. He had like four years in the league with the Lions from like 05 to 08. Other than that, he's been a college defensive coordinator or secondary coach since like 1976. So Consider that he's been a, D- a DC as long as the Buccaneers have, and the Seahawks have been ex- in existence, which is kind of amazing. So Saints, Saints at Panthers um, throwing the Bucks. This is the three defense that have caused Aaron Rodgers the most trouble in the count cal- in the last calendar year. Um, now this is important against Aaron Rodgers. The Saints extended their stopping around the light block box strategy, which is helped by the fact that they were up seventeen to three at halftime. The Packers panicked, yep. thinking they had to go after shot plays. And the, the Panthers have a couple of jokers, a couple of movable. We know about Jeremy Chin and he really should. Yep. Shaq Thompson had a sack. He had an interception. He was really good in coverage. And I said in one of our preseason podcasts that the Panthers were one of the more variable defenses in the NFL, but the, the positive play rate allowed on their trickier stuff was not great. And that's when you're hoping that your personnel will catch up to your scheme. And I think two defenses 
in week one showed that their personnel has caught up to their scheme. It's the Panthers and the Cardinals, yeah. by the way. We're not yes. talking about the Cardinals defense, but the Cardinals did some really interesting stuff. So I think that's something to watch. And then, you know, they, what was it? They ran the most 416 in the league last year and the second most 326. And I think the team that ran the most 326 was the Cardinals. So, yeah, there's a reason Matt Rule brought this guy from Temple to Baylor to Carolina. I'm just saying. Yeah. So now Jameis. What did Sean Payton do schematically to help Jameis calm down, slow down, throw the ball away, even when the favorable weed wasn't there, stay within himself? And a lot of it was present a comfortable picture for the quarterback. Payton yep. is brilliant at that. He will scheme guys open all day. And that was a lot of it. And, you know, but Jameis still has to, I mean, I mean he, he whooped up on Green Bay's defense. It didn't really look comfortable um, under Joe Barry. Didn't really know what was going on. Um, the tight end whose name escaped me, two touchdowns, and both of them were like wide open shots because this, the, it just wasn't working for them. But Jameis still has to make those throws. So that, that's just, a, it's a fascinating matchup. <coughs> We, with two <coughs> sort of unproven entities coming into the season, the offense with Jameis and this defense that Phil Snow runs, which remember kids, this is the defense last year that Aaron Rodgers said was strange. Yeah. That's yep. what no, I, I'm, I'm just, I saw what I wanted to see. I know we talked about Jameis last week. I saw some of those secondary reads under pressure. Now, like the touchdown to Chris Hogan in the red zone. Like that was the kind of stuff that I was looking to see. And I, I was on with my friend sat in company uh, as I am every Tuesday night, uh, Sportsnet 650 up in Vancouver. Yes. They always ask me for the throw of the week. And I, I made a case for Winston's throwaway because perhaps more than anything else, that was the best throw of the week because it was Jameis doing something that Jameis typically doesn't do. And he had all day back there. He made a sandwich. He set up a tent, made a little campfire, planted some crops, he had all the time in the world that he still threw it away. I was so happy to see that. I'm all in. I, I've I've got my. I'm buying a Saints number two jersey. I'm gonna wear that. I mean, I'm all I'm all in now. It isn't gonna like curse him, is it? Probably. Do you have a jersey jinx in your past? Because some people do. I do, and I'm not even gonna mention the two. I mean, and th- what was we also have? Uh oh. Um, I wrote Irv Smith up couple weeks ago. Oh, you did. That's right. Yeah. And then he went down. I'll tell you off air the two jerseys I have handed in my closet right now. Yeah. In no. addition to Shade Falco and yeah. um, Alex Moran and, you know, Willie Beeman. Uh, Juwan Johnson was a tight end. And just, oh, okay. yeah. uh, really bad. Well, not bad coverage, but and then uh, was it Lil John Humphrey <laughs> on the second touchdown where Johnson was like five yards wide open in the left side of the end zone because Lil, jo- Lil Jordan Humphrey um, they ran a pick and Humphrey took both of the defenders and blocked them out of the, he went bowling. That was, that yeah. was fun. So Juwan Johnson was, was the guy, uh, kind of a receiver in college. And then Peyton said, well, I can make that work, um, which yeah. he has before. So that is cool. Uh, okay. So Vikings at Cardinals, you know, what's not cool <laughs> being Rashad Hill, you know, who Rashad Hill is. I'm drawing a blank. He's the Vikings left tackle. Oh, no. You know, he's going to face this week. 
an Chandler Evan Jones. Jones. Yeah, Christian Derrissage recovering, recovering from core muscle surgery. I don't know what the status is. Um, and it wasn't just Chandler Jones. Um, the Cardinals brought a lot of interesting pressures, all kinds of fronts, all kinds of coverage looks. Isaiah Simmons looks a lot more comfortable because, yep. you know, they would put him out in slot, but it wasn't like press slot. They would just, you know, have him at linebacker depth, move him a couple yards over, which is kind of what Clemson did with him. Um, I, I think with Simmons last year, they just, they became so besotted with his athletic ability they did it. Hey, let's do all this crazy stuff. And it didn't work. Um, he had a goal line stop of Derrick Henry at the goal line. Uh, the interception, by the way, was more on Robert Alford, who made a brilliant play. Yeah. Ball goes up in the air. He catches it. I mean, you know, Johnny on the spot. That's cool. <laughs> um, I think this Cardinals defense is going to be better than it's better than I imagined. And if that's the case, watch out because Aaron is Arizona's offense. There was one play early on. I don't know if you saw it where they ran trips, right. And they had three tight ends and trips, right. I'm like, I never seen that before. So maybe cliff is out of his, you know, generic what's less flavorful than vanilla thing. And he's in a different right. phase. Um, Rodney Hudson made a big difference because now there's depth of pocket. And, and Murray uh, and said DJ, that DJ Humphreys, by the way, and he came into the league and Bruce Arians, is, he was like a healthy scratch his whole first year. And Arians kept saying, uh, I had to put my knee up his ass. He's been really good for the last couple of years and he negated Bud Dupree. Bud did nothing against him. So this Cardinals offense, um, they got some stuff and it's less static than it was last year. It is less static. And this is the point of the show where I, I tell the dear listeners that I prefer my crow nice and salty, with a little bit of barbecue sauce on the side because I was ripping cliff. Offense looked great. I didn't have Kyler Murray in my top 15 quarterbacks and Cardinals fans did not like that. Ooh. I'm already looking back on that because Murray looked fantastic. That, that took some rocks. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, Murray looked fantastic. The look well, I had teriyaki crow uh, for Jamar chase. So, you know, yeah, I mean, look, it happens. We, we, we miss on things. Um, Murray looked great. Murray looked great. And, what I, I think my favorite, the, the touchdown to Christian Kirk, where he's the inside receiver at trips, runs the corner on double China. Yep. Um, That's how Kirk made secret superstars this week. That was, and when Cliff, and when any offensive coach or offensive-minded head coach is dialing plays up for a specific receiver, pay attention to that. Because you've got A.J. Green on one outside, you've got Hopkins on the other outside, and now you've got Green in the slot. And if you're the, I mean, Kirk in the slot, excuse me, the opposing defensive coordinator, like pick your poison. So this offense is going to be a problem. And Murray's other, like the escape where he like starts right, rolls left, does a little like dip forward and back and makes a baby Yoda, man. He's looking incredible. I'm and not going to name Yoda. names, but somebody put up a gif of that, a gif, gif, whatever, um, today and said, I've never seen anything like this before. And the guy has been a football guy football writer I very much respect. And he lives near Seattle. I'm like, did you not see that Russell Wilson in San Francisco? Come on. Dude. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. How soon we forget. We, um, we have short-term memories. We live in uh, 280 character days. Yes. So Eric Eager uh, from Pro Football Focus, who we love. Um, so Pro Football Focus is doing these stats now where it's quarterback rating when the coverages change and when the co coverages don't. And... And I'm sure this is in. Can we buy that? 
I'm sure it's in PFF Ultimate, which we can't Seth, do it. Give us the We're PFF Ultimate. Mm. But Eric put this up on Twitter, and I asked him about Aaron Rodgers' splits, and he, he gave me that too, so we'll discuss that in a minute. The Bengals showed a different coverage than they played 16 times on Kirk Cousins' dropbacks in week one. He was 12 of 16 for 106 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 6.6 yards per attempt on such plays. When they showed the same as they played, Cousins was 24 of 33 for 245 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 7.4 yards per attempt. And with Kirk Cousins, this doesn't surprise me at all because Cousins has never been a guy who's going to transcend it when his reads don't match what he thought. He just kind of clamps down like a lot of quarterbacks do. And again, he's facing the Cardinals. So it's not just, you know, various guys off the street against Chandler Jones. It's what the Cardinals are going to do in coverage. They had Buda Baker at free safety, 41 snaps. Buda looked good at free. And that was different. Byron Murphy looked good. Had a couple of pass breakups playing outside and slot. Byron played some free. So Cousins is going to see some stuff that, you know, they have that tape to go on. But, you know, Kirk, I mean, as we've seen in multiple instances, he doesn't always do the, you know, the most sensible thing under pressure. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, I, and you know, I, I, I think the Vikings are kind of in trouble this year. I, I, I think the Cardinals could, this could be a blowout. This, this might be my, yeah, blowout. it could be, it could be Arizona looked great last week. Uh, so we were talking about the Falcons offense. I don't know what to make of the Falcons offense with Arthur Smith, because I don't think we saw it. I think it kept getting sacked. Um, yeah. In the preseason finale, Atlanta's interior offensive line was demolished by Malik McDowell. Great comeback story. In week one of the 2021 season, it was completely obliterated by Javon Hargrave, another secret superstar, and Fletcher Cox. Here comes Adama Kinsu and Vita Vea. Outside of Cameron Hayward, Vea was the best IDL in week one. And if he'd been named <sighs> NFC Defensive Player of the Week, which he wasn't going to because he didn't have a single tackle, which is stupid, and you'd have to actually watch his tape to see what he did. He's primed to have another monster game. Atlanta appears to have a season-long issue here. Jalen Mayfield, the third-round guard out of Michigan, was my seventh-ranked interior offensive lineman. My comp for him was Eric Flowers, guy who can maul people in the run game, had major issues with pass pro, and it's all there. Base and technique, it ain't good. He gave up two sacks, two hits, four quarterback hurries. Not to pick on him specifically because this was his regular season debut, but Matt Ryan was pressured on 16 of his 39 dropbacks under pressure. He completed five of 12 passes for 39 yards. Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Arthur Smith, play action. I don't care about any of it because until they get this figured out, that other stuff doesn't, you know, if, you're, if your cake keeps collapsing, I don't care how good the frosting is. And that's right. the problem the Falcons have here. And it's a problem they really have against – Vea and Sue and JPP and Shaq Barrett. And by the way, Joe Tryon, you know, I mean, we could talk about Tom Brady and the, and the Falcons defense, but this really is the Falcons have got to get this figured out or it doesn't matter how many people they have. Yeah. And I don't think it's getting figured out this week. No. I mean, and what was interesting about that Thursday night game was, you, you would expect Tampa Bay to be one of those teams, like we talked about with Pittsburgh, that could theoretically get pressure with four. It wasn't quite working, but that's the Dallas Cowboys offensive line that has some guys up front, although it's a little thinned out now. The Buccaneers it's different now. In week one, the Buccaneers blitzed 33 times, 53 Yeah, because they had to start blitzing they to, led to get the pressure. League. They led the league in week one. Yeah. 
They won't need to blitz, I don't think, this week. And that gets you into the get pressure with four, drop seven, all the stuff we talked about. It's, yeah, I this could be a bad week for it. Ryan's a smart guy, but you're not as smart when you're sitting on your ass. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a little philosophy for me. <laughs> uh, Titans at Seahawks. Todd Downing, Jugas has playing to do. Ryan Tannehill against the Cardinals. Five dropbacks with play action, the lowest in the league for any quarterback taking at least 50% of his team snaps. One of two for 39 yards. He had 38 dropbacks without play action, 20 of 33 for 173 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Do we see the divide in the ability to create big plays one way and not so much the other? Does that, does that come through there with those stats? I hope so. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, it does. Uh, last year, he combined, he tied with Lamar Jackson for the highest play action rate, 36.2%, and he threw 12 touchdowns to three picks. Without it, he threw 22 touchdowns and five interceptions. So it's not like he needs play action to be above league average, but it helped his comfort level immeasurably with Arthur Smith. I don't know why they didn't do it. I mean, I knew Derrick Henry. I know in after the game, you, okay, Derrick Henry struggled. I hope Todd Downing is one of those people that thinks you need an effective run game to, to win with play action. Because God, I hope not. that's idiotic. Um, yeah. Taylor Luan felt it necessary to apologize on Twitter for getting owned by Shander yeah. Jones. Good for him. He should re-apologize because he gave a pressure to Buda Baker one-on-one. Uh, Seattle had yeah. some sneaky good pressure concepts against the Colts. Um, Luan is an above average. And, and, you know, people have horrible days. And that was that for him. Um it, it, he'd better turn it around and Todd Downing, I, I you know, pff, what? Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't. Uh, great. I mean, let's let, but let's talk about an offense that rocked the Shane Waldron offense. Ooh, as I say, Renton, I'm in motion. Yeah, multiple play action concepts, man beaters as opposed to just having Lockett and Metcalf run ISO routes, deep crossers, and beat the cornerback. Uh, I mentioned the 22-yard completion from Russell Wilson to Will Disley in which Indy's defense had to deal with pre-snap motion from Metcalf, stretch play action fake to Rashad Penny, Freddie swing with a post-snap jet motion, and Disley releasing to the boundary out of a YY formation. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. And Tennessee's defense is still kind of Tennessee's defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our our boy Elijah Molden, he he was the guy that could beat on that Christian Kirk play. Um, it's gonna yeah, happen. you mentioned that why why like I saw. Did you see a ton of that too? Like I feel like I know you mentioned why why was kind of looking like why why maybe maybe that's one of the things. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of that, and I I know we touched on preseason in the summer, like twelve personnel, heavier personnel. Like I wonder if we're gonna see. Like I feel like last Thursday night, Dallas and and Tampa Bay ran a ton of it. Yes. Other teams ran a lot of it, but yeah, I mean, you get that sort of like you get that look. You condense the formation to that side. Might be a thing that teams are doing, expecting, maybe try to get cover six, quarter, quarter, half. Maybe that's how, why teams are doing it. I don't know. But that's going to be something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. This Rush fan would enjoy if you put the Z receiver at the end of the YY formation. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Chiefs at Ravens. Ravens did a lot of zero blitz against the Raiders. And the only reason they didn't pay for it more than they did is because Derek Carr well, really bad first quarter. Then he settled down. Then he kicked their ass with it. And you're running zero blitz and a ton of man in general. When you're down, two of your top three corners, Jimmy Smith out with an ankle. Marcus Peters is out for the season. Marlon Humphrey is great both outside and in the slot, but he can't clone himself. And 
it was a little weird out there. Gruden attacked that with a good array of man beaters, different stuff out of bunch. And I'll be interested to see how Wink Martindale adapts to what would have been a really, I mean, my notes are, it would have been a real butt whooping against a less cautious quarterback. Well, here's Patrick Mahomes. How does that work for you? Right. Yeah. And as we talked about just a few you minutes ago. You think Andy Reid can dial up some man beaters? With the guys he has? Maybe. Absolutely, of course. I mean, like, <laughs> Baltimore's in trouble. They are. Baltimore is in Both legitimate the trouble right now. Because I, I had all these notes about Ronnie Stanley, you know, not, not to worry because we know how good he is. Now he's out. And I don't even know. Now he's apparently who's, out. Who's their right tackle going to be? Well, what, uh, looking for, I mean, he mentioned somebody. I can, I can look it up. Maybe it's the guy but, from maybe the guy from Minnesota's brother. I don't know. I I, I don't know either. Um, but they're in a, a a ton of trouble right now, and I I, I think Lamar is going to be okay, generally speaking, because he's just an, an incredible talent. I don't want to say what I'm thinking. No, go ahead, go for it. I don't want to say it. Okay, but I mean. I, they could have protected. I, I don't want this to be, says, I don't want. I don't want him to get RG three before he gets the money. Right. Yeah, I get it. Um, Patrick Makari is apparently the next man up at right tackle. Which, cool. if you told me it was a Madden generated name, I would believe it. Like, I'm sure there are guys who have him on their top 500 list of draft guys. You know, from well, there you go. Years ago, but that's not me. Yeah. So Baltimore is in trouble. They're so banged up. They, they tried to go zero blitz against the Raiders and it obviously didn't work. Like you talked about now you get Tyreek and you get Kelsey and you get all these chiefs weapons and you get Patrick Mahomes, Baltimore on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to struggle to protect, to protect Lamar Jackson. Baltimore staring Owen two in the face. Well, when you can't protect Lamar still has some, not as much as people think, and he's a better pocket passer than people think, although he regressed yes. a little bit last year. Mostly after Stanley got hurt. Um, but if you want Lamar to get frenetic, just keep showing him that pressure in the pocket and he'll start to, um, I don't want to add to the stupid narratives, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that so. chief's defense. Uh, oh, here comes. Uh, did the chiefs make a commitment to putting Chris Jones on the edge this year? Yes, they did. How did that I work out? Where he's going to be. Worked all out pretty kinds, well. All kinds of ass whoopings. And oh, by the yeah. way, Tyron Matthews back. Yeah. Whoops. Yep. Ouch. Uh, Lions at Packers. A lot to unpack here. Oh, Eric did send me the splits. And and this is what I want to talk about. Thank you, Eric. From 2018 through 2021, they're quick on the draw over there, PFF. Rodgers is the highest graded quarterback in the league when defenses show what they play. And he's 11th when they don't. And this happened against the Buccaneers, who... And, you know, they would like, they would bring uh, David and White, Levante David and Devin White in his mug, and then they'd both go curl flat. And I think on that play, and Dominic Sue sacked Rodgers. Um, the Saints, I, I think SIS had him with six completions on 12 attempts against man, and that was really, or, or against too high, and that was really low because I assume their charters are going with what the coverage is at the snap. And in that case, it's going to show Aaron Rodgers having a lot of bad numbers against single high, which is not representative of how it really is. And last year, he demolished single high. Yeah. And so did Devontae Adams had Devontae Adams had 13 touchdowns against single. 
two against double. And I don't want to get into all the stats because it'll take a half an hour because I spent a whole day doing that piece on Aaron Rodgers. And you, I'll, I'll put it in the rundown. You can read it. So I don't want to get basically Rodgers has stunk against two high and been great against single high, but it's not too high. If you play too high against Aaron Rodgers, like you're the 2000 Buccaneers, he's still going to wax your ass because he right. can still figure that out. What I found interesting when I did a deep dive on the numbers on throws of 20 or more air yards, Rodgers was just as explosive and efficient against too high. It was indistinguishable from 10 to 19 yards, 10 to 19 air yards. The difference was massive. And what that tells me is when he turns his back and he turns around, one of the safeties is not where it was, where he was. And when Eric put that tweet up and I'm like, okay, I need this because this is where the NFL is going. This is going back to the Patriots against Jared Goff in Super Bowl 53. After the head, after the headset goes off, we're going to show him a different look. Devin McCourty said that right after the game. That was our whole plan. Yeah. That's been the NFL's entire plan. And I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about this because it was so much a part of how the Saints were able to shut Rodgers down. Now we can say the Lions, Jeff Okuda is out. The Lions are a joke. Well, their new defensive coordinator is Aaron Glenn, who was the Saints defensive backs coach for the last five years. You're not saying the Lions are going to win this game and we're going to have pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And sure. I don't want to say blueprint blueprint is a really simplistic way of saying it. Yeah. I'm going to say that there is a definite trend to late in the down post snap spun defenses that Aaron Rodgers, who is the greatest arm talent I've ever seen and is one of the smartest quarterbacks in NFL history. I'm not exaggerating. I've never seen anyone throw like Rogers throws, but this is messing him up. And the other thing that messed the Packers up was that gap fitter out of a light box. When they did run the ball, which was at 14 times um, where the NFL is going with too high to spun or spun to too high and stopping the run out of light boxes. That's where the NFL is going. These are the two worst things for Aaron Rodgers. So it's fascinating that, one of the best quarterbacks and I I would put him top 10 ever at this stage of his career, he is running into like the worst possible trends for what he does and what he can and can't handle. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll put the Aaron Rodgers piece. I did. It was really comprehensive. I don't want to recite all the stats here because I know it gets kind of monotonous. Um, But I, I don't know how they're going to fix this, but it's a real problem and it's going to get worse because this teams are going to be doing more and more of this. Yeah. And it Especially gets to, to him. Yeah. And it gets to this, this concept we've talked about a lot on the show about the decision-making window, right. And what offenses have tried to do over the past, say five years is expand that both pre-snap and post-snap, right. With motion, with shifts with formation with personnel. And so the quarterback knows in the five seconds leading up to the snap, what he's going to get. And that he can make a good decision. Well, it's not like defensive coordinators just throwing up their hands and saying, all right, well, I guess we're, we're no. Like, and the other thing that I know you've talked about a lot, and we saw some of this this week. Yeah, you show motion, sure, we'll trail it, but then we're going to spin to zone. 
or we're going to spin to match. We're, yes. we're, we're going to show you motion, the yeah, yeah. motion for information. And Washington did this, I think, more than any other team last year. Motion for information isn't always it's kind of going out the window. Now, on the defensive side, it's OK. Motion for deception. We're going to yeah. set you up. Yeah. And, and so that what you thought might be a seven second decision making window if the quarterback suddenly gets recalibrated to a second and a half. And whether it's throwing a football with Aaron Donald bearing down on you or making a left turn when the lights turn it from yellow to red, like the shorter window you have to make a decision in life, more likely that decision might end up being wrong. And so the the stoplight, that's interesting because I would say I would compare it to when Aaron Rodgers first sees a defense, it's green. He turns his head, it's yellow. He comes back, it's red. That's what's happening in his brain. Yeah, I mean that, and that's a good, that's a great way to put it, and, and that's what's happening to Rogers right now. And it doesn't matter if you're Aaron Rodgers or Mark Schofield. Like, when that decision window gets constricted, the decisions aren't going to be as good. Now, for Rogers, he still has the ability to throw a football wherever he wants to. So Nate get out of it Tice, did you see the one the, the throw to Adams that Nate Tice put up? No. Oh my God! It was there was no window. It was a brick wall. It, it, Adams had two Saints right on his ass on a crosser. Yeah. And Rogers somehow, like I had 20 yards that filled it. And okay, once in a while, you can do Aaron Rodgers shit that no one else can do. Yeah. And you just have to deal with it and move on. But that's that's now that's not the norm. That's the outlier. No. The explosive yeah, plays are the outlier when he faces these kinds of defenses. And so now LaFleur has to figure out all right, how do we now re expand that window? Like, and, and Which that's, is, when we were talking yesterday, it's, I was kind of had this in mind and, and you responded brilliantly by writing that whole piece about what do you do against too high? But that's what I was thinking. Like, what does LaFleur do? So what does LaFleur yeah. do? You tell I me. I mean, I, I think you see some of those concepts. I, it wouldn't surprise me if you're seeing go flat with MVS and Devontae Adams like 10 times just to sort of get them in rhythm. That, you know, the, the two concepts, the, the one from Seattle, the one from the Rams where you've got you know, they, they were, I don't, I can't definitively say that they called these or designed these because they expected to get cover six, like advanced scouts are great, but it's week one. Like you don't have a ton. Of I would, really well, with Desai, Desai is a, he's one of those guys. So I would say in the Rams case, I think they were specifically banging that cup touchdown against cover six. Yeah. I mean, they probably were hoping they'd get it. And it was probably one of those moments where, Ball snapped and McVeigh said touchdown, like in the headset before the throw was even made. You know, was Jackson, they are in, so to the left, was Jackson on the quarter side when he, yeah, over? Eddie Jackson was on the quarter side, he was side. on the quarter side, and then two, well, two doesn't matter because 23 is going, Where's my help? Yeah, um, so that's one of those moments where as a coach, you know, we you've got it, you're doing the late kiff and throw the clipboard before the pass is even thrown. Um, and if you don't figure so, this out, you're, you're gonna get kiffing in another way, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting stuff for week two. Uh, great, as always, sir. Uh, keep it posted. Touchdown wear. we got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, might take three hours off and then come back. We'll see. Yeah, we'll be back for Thursday Night Football, I think. We'll be back for Thursday Night Football. Yeehaw. And maybe I'll be able to say something nice about Jason Garrett next week. But we'll I see. We'll see. I wouldn't count on it, but, you know, where there's life, there's hope. All right, yep. man. We'll talk next week. Sounds good.